it went straight down the middle. Then it started to fall. Yeah, well, in between your back-to-back wins there, you did have a victory in the Corning Classic, mm-hmm. finishing 65-66 to beat Deb Richard by six. Okay. Yeah, that was um, – Corning is uh, – that was always a great event to go to because, I mean, Corning's not a huge town, and we were the event of the year. Um, everybody came out. Uh, they would do – you know, all downtown would be decorated with um, in the shop windows with stuff about the Corning Classic. And it was everybody, you were kind of a uh, like a huge star there, you know, like yeah. some basketball players are or whatever. But um, it was a very tight course, not super long, but um, that year when I won, I remember I, I barely made the cut. I, you know, had a good finish just to make the cut. And then, but I felt that I was playing well. And I, I remembered saying, you know, if I can just make the cut, I think I can do okay. And, um, you know, I ended up playing very well on the weekend and, and winning. Yeah. You mentioned how supportive the town of Corning was. Mm-hmm. What other small towns were some of your favorites that really came out and supported the tour events? Hershey, Hershey, Pennsylvania. Right. Um, we played there, and we used to have some of our biggest galleries of the year there. Uh, Rochester, New York. Um, I never played particularly well there, but the crowd support there was phenomenal. Um, anywhere that we went where they don't have tons of professional sport teams, you know, you, you become the event of the year. They have, yeah, sure. you know, even Springfield was like that, Illinois. You know, they have a highlight show each night after the news highlights of the tournament yeah. kind of thing. It, it really made it special. You felt very special to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Kathy Whitworth when we visited with her, she, she just loved going to Rochester. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and she played she well there. She had her 88th win there. And uh, I remember kind of going out to watch her, um, you know, cause she did have a chance to break, you know, uh, set this record or whatever. And uh, it, it was fun, fun to see. Well, let's go to 1992. Three more wins. Bruce opening up with another major. Boy, what a what a victory this was. Rounds of 68, 66, 67, 66, 17 under par, and you just scraped in by 11. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, um, that, I know for a fact that obviously was the best that I ever played in a tournament for four days. I just, uh, Bethesda country club. It was a challenging golf course, very tight off the tees, um, small greens at the time. It's been redone since we were there too, but I just played extremely well all four days. Um, I, I, I think I had a six shot lead heading into the last round and, you know, just, uh, kept it in play, putted well, I know I had a 10-shot lead standing on the last tee and birdied the last hole to win by 11. So um, <laughs> it was if – it, if there can be a stress-free time, that was yeah. probably it, to stand on the last tee with a 10-shot lead. <laughs> Unless, of course, there was water on the last hole. Then <laughs> <laughs> you need 20 shots. No, I don't know. It was yeah. fun. It was great. And it was the largest uh, winning margin in the event uh, up to that time. Mm-hmm. And I, I also shot. think it was the lowest score in relation to par in a major at that time, 17 it was. in a major. It yeah. was, yeah. It and 267. 
Yeah. 267 was the lowest absolute score up to that point as well. First player with all four rounds in the 60s -hmm. for an LPGA event. Just a lot of records uh, set uh, uh, during that tournament. You made two bogeys all week. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it was just 11 greens all week. Oh, I did? Wow. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And they weren't big greens. Well, I, I love the quote by Joanne Carner I picked up, maybe in an SI article, I don't remember. But after after the third round, mm-hmm. Joanne was quoted as saying, it'll take about a 60 on Saturday, and I think I'd still lose by one. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then after the final round, she says, she's so quiet, talking about Betsy King, she's so quiet, she doesn't get the publicity she deserves. She doesn't seem to have a lot to say. She just goes out and whips our butt. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Joanne, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, no, I I just played really, really well. So it's nice to – I don't have to think about what's the best tournament you've ever played. You know, I know. What's the best round you ever played? Yeah. I know. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, you were still in the midst of a 10-year zone, so we'll, we'll go on to – you know, we'll go on to finish up 1992 with a few more victories, Bruce. Yeah, far more in the Youngstown where you, uh, oh, guess what? She won in a playoff again. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Beat Donna Andrews, Beth Daniel, and Meg Mellon. Yep, I remember that. It was a, like a huge playoff, and I, I think I won on the second playoff hole. Um, I, you know, I don't remember who dropped out after the first one, but the second playoff hole was a – a par three, and I made a birdie, I believe, to, to win. And then the next couple of wins, I think, came in Japan, one in 92 at the Mazda Japan Classic, and then one in 93 at the Torre Japan Queens Cup. And uh, so back to the, the long, crazy bus rides. Very much so. <laughs> and I, I, <laughs> I remember in 93, I, I hadn't won all year and then, you know, won there. So that was sort of like my last chance to, to keep the win streak alive for, you know, winning a tournament every year. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, it, uh, it, that was it. That was a good win. But 93 still a good year, right? I mean, player of the year, money winner, uh, leading money winner, Ver trophy winner. Uh, so, uh, you know, in, in 93, you finish up your 10th straight year with, with multiple wins with the with the two victories, with the second victory coming at the uh, uh, the LPGA Skins game, if you want to call that maybe what an official mm-hmm. event, but you, you won the Skins game uh, down at Stonebriar. Right, right. Yeah, I, that, I think I, I, I played in it twice, I believe. But, um, yeah, that was nice for, for the LPGA, got us more exposure. Um, I know Nancy played in it. Dottie Pepper, I think, played in it the year I played in it. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was. Yeah. It was. It's. It's so different from playing in a tournament. It's. Um, I think the hardest part of that format is when you have to make a putt to tie. Uh, it's easier to make a putt yeah. to win the win, to win. win the skin. It's harder to to get the tie so that you don't lose the skin. So, but yeah. um, it was great for the tour, and obviously, I feel fortunate that I had an opportunity to play in that. Yeah. yeah. So we're, we're going to skip a year now, which is unusual. We're yeah. going to skip 94 and go to 95 to pick up that next victory. But, you know, you come into 95, you know, you're coming up on 40 years old. Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the mindset at this point? Do you think I'm going to be playing for a while or eh, I'm not sure I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the, the, the life on the road as much as yeah. I did when I was younger. What was, what was happening? Um, 
Well, for me at the time, you know, my 30th win got me into the Hall of Fame. So that was um, that that was the pressure point for me. I was stuck on 29 for a little while. And, uh, you know, the hardest part probably was going into the press interviews if you didn't when you didn't win, even though you finished yeah. second or third. It was like, what happened? You know, so. Yeah, um, you did that. You did that 41 times, by the way, going into that press conference before getting that. Uh, did I really? Getting that 30th yeah. win. It was 41 yeah. events. Oh, 41 uh, from win t- yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And I, in fact, at, by that time I was working with a sports psychologist, you know, because obviously when I started there, it wasn't even such a thing, you know, in, in relation to <laughs> And uh, I. I, that was one of the things I worked on with him was just to have an answer to share when that question was asked. So you just uh-huh. had this answer already queued up. And so you didn't waste energy thinking about what you were going to say. And yeah. yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. Which was helpful, which was very helpful. But, but others have felt the pressure you felt with, uh, you know, trying to get that last victory to get you in the LPGA Hall of Fame. There have been several yeah. other guests that have really struggled to get that, right. that one over the hump right. as well. Right. And I, I was the last person that qualified under those quite criteria. Um, when I got in, it was 30 wins with two different majors, which looking back on it was, how do you count the U.S. Open? You win it twice and it doesn't count as two different majors. Yeah. yeah. You know, Silly. It's a Silly. golf course, et cetera. But anyway yeah. – um, but so it was quite an accomplishment to make to make it in. And um, if we start talking about Atlantic City, I'll tell you about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you birdie the final two holes for that victory. Of course, we're talking about the 1995 Shoprite LPJ Classic, your second win of that event at uh, Great Bay Country Club in New Jersey by two over Beth Daniel and Rosie Jones. So big, big win in your career. Very much so. And um, what was amazing, not amazing, but I had held the lead at that tournament. Um, I don't know if it was one year or two years prior, probably two years. I had a one-shot lead standing on the last hole. It's a very tight par four. You don't hit driver off the tee, dog leg right. And I drove it right into the trees, and I pitched it out, hit a poor wedge on the green and three-putted to make a double to miss getting into a playoff, not only losing the event, you know, if I par, I win. If I bogey, I'm in a playoff. I make double and miss a playoff. So an Amory Polly won. And so then here I am, two years later, standing on the last tee with a one-shot lead, and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get the last win to get into the Hall of Fame. And um, so I I believe I hit either three, either three wood or five wood off the tee. I think three wood. Hit it very well down down the middle, um, and then uh, wedged on and made about a ten twelve footer for birdie to win by two. So yeah, I, I hate to put you on the spot with this question, but but because the qualification criteria much different between the LPJ Hall of Fame, which mm-hmm. came first, and the World Golf Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. uh, for the typical LPGA player, do they hold one uh, in at a uh, maybe a, more dear than than the other? Um, you know, I, that's all happened since me. I mean, I, when I got in the LPJ hall of fame, that automatically qualified me for the world golf hall of fame. So I, I don't know. They, they, you know, changed all that criteria after that, after I got in. Um, so I, I don't really know. I mean, yeah. as far as that, um, 
But I do know I was the last person that got in under the LPGA Hall of Fame criteria of 30 wins with two different majors. And the, the feeling was that there would be there would there'd be way too many people. I mean, way too there wouldn't be enough people that would qualify. When I made it in, mm-hmm. I was the 14th person to get in in 45 years. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. A, it's a bit that's yeah. a heavy criteria yeah. really yeah. when you yeah. think about it. Yeah, you know, there's more competition. The fields are deeper, and and they don't even right. play as many tournaments. Um, you know that I would play probably on average close to 30 events a year. Now the top players. If they play twenty five, that's that's a big schedule. Right. So. Yeah. Right. There aren't going to be too many more in history, I don't think, unless things change dramatically. They're going to win thirty four times or more. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I that's you, know, true. You, you think that too, and then Annika came along, and Lorena and uh, Kari Webb. They were, you know, probably the best of the next generation. Um, yeah. And then, uh, but but today, I you know, who knows? It's hard to when you're not playing. It's hard to know. You know, when you play alongside, you can obviously recognize the the best talent. When you're just the good from, players, yeah, yeah. From when you're looking from the outside, it's it's kind of hard to tell that. So about this time, you went through, I think, about a nine year stretch where you actually hosted the tournament, the Wachovia mm-hmm. tournament, mm-hmm. didn't you? Yep, yep. That was a, a dream come true for me. I wanted to try to get something going in my hometown, and it worked out. Um, we started actually, it was a local bank that was the original sponsor, um, uh, Meridian Bank that was based in Brooks County and Vanity Fair, uh, VF Corp. They were also, they, their corporate headquarters were in Reading at the time and, and they're the largest apparel only company in the world. So those two CEOs, you know, put up the, the basis for the purse that got us started. And in that nine year run, the then the, the after a year or two, the bank became the title sponsor, and it went from core state to Wachovia to First Union. <laughs> they kept changing as <laughs> banks merged, and now I believe yeah. it's Wells Fargo. And and so by the time it became, um, well, First Union was based in Charlotte, and they're like, okay, why are we sponsoring a tournament in Reading, Pennsylvania? <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. that's when it went away, but. It was great fun. It was great for the community. It was great for charity. And I feel very honored that uh, we were able to have an event, um, an LPGA event. I wanted to have the players come and see where I grew up. And at the same yeah, time, sure. right. I wanted to support Good idea. the LPGA. Yeah. So even though you didn't win in uh, 1996, it didn't take you very long to jump back in the winner's circle in 1997. Another major victory at the Dinah Shore, where you won by two over uh, Chris Cheddar. Mm. Um, you know, I can har- hardly remember anything about it. I don't know why. I didn't. I didn't. I just realized I was somewhere within the last couple months that. Um, somebody was looking up my record and I didn't even realize I was 42 when I won that event. Um, yeah. Cause nowadays, like there's hardly anybody plays into their forties. It seems <laughs> right. like everybody's retiring. They're starting younger and then retiring younger. But, um, you know, I obviously played well. Um, I don't think I was paired with, with Chris the last day. Um, yeah, but um, and, I and think I, it might have been might have been Kelly Robbins because you were tied with Kelly after three rounds. Okay, okay, yeah, and, um, yeah. yeah. I don't know why I, I don't remember much about it. Um, 
I think I, I think I went in the the pond. That was the only time I went into the into the water because um, uh-huh. ah. Amy, you know, started that tradition, but she did it, and then the next year it didn't continue, and then it kind of kept kept it started again after that. So. Right. When I went in, I couldn't even get my caddy to go in with me, first of all. Um, <laughs> and at that time, we were still going into the pond, you know, which yeah, not, yeah. they kind of cleaned up, you know, that, that morning they would clean it up, but still. And I didn't yeah. do a big runny or anything because they really weren't doing that. You know, then the last few years, yeah. it's become a, it's been great. It's been, you know, they show it every year on ESPN and um, it, it's been great. But that's probably what I remember most is that I did get to go into the water that time. Yeah, well, this was your farewell as a winner to the uh, Dinah Shore. Of course, uh, it was a fond farewell this spring as they played the last, uh, what we still call yeah. the Dinah Shore at Mission Hills before moving on to Texas. A little bit of bittersweet. Were you there? I did go. I did go last week. I was, I mean, last year. I wasn't at, um, you know, the whole event, but I did go at the start of the week, and um, I think I watched the first day of play. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a lot of memories there, um, and you know, there's good and bad with everything. I mean, having Chevron step up as a major sponsor is, uh, you know, great for the event. Um, it, and at the same time, it, it's interesting because the last few years, um, I don't think they had the budget that they had at one time, and they weren't advertising it. The crowds didn't seem to be as big as they used to be. And, you know, I think part mm. of that was just that maybe the tournament had run its course there. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah. you know, when, yeah. when Dinah was affiliated, when there was more of a celebrity buy-in, it definitely had a different atmosphere than, than it has today. Yeah. Well, in 97, at that uh, win at the Nabisco Dinah Shore, you must have had the putter going because you had zero three-putts that week. Okay. Well, that's that's an accomplishment. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. I'm not sure I've gone nine holes <laughs> without a three-putt. Well, let's, uh, let's finish up with your last few victories. Uh, we go on uh, now to 2000, Bruce, with a couple of wins. Yeah, the uh, Cup Noodles Hawaiian Ladies Open and the LPGA Corning Classic again, second time there. Uh, we're in a sudden death playoff with uh, Vicky Getz and Kelly Keeney. Okay. Yeah, the uh, win in Hawaii, that was on Oahu um, at a course called uh, Kapolei. Um, again, win's always a factor when we play there, but. Um, I played well that week, and and um, I liked the course there. It was outside of Honolulu, um, and I, I had a number of wins in Hawaii. Hawaii's been a great state for me, and winning my first one yeah. there, and then kind of one of my last wins there. And I think I never won on the Big Island, but I won on Maui and Kauai and Oahu. So yeah, that uh, I always enjoyed going there. And then Corning that year. Um, I do remember going into the playoff there and, and, and winning. That was uh, was was fun to do. A lot of fun to do.
Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me. One in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Panda and Shepard, as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about Malbatross? Well, you played right up to age 50, so take us, uh, as you did, taking us through your decision, uh, you know, as a youngster of, of turning professional. Now, now take us through the thought process of winding it down and setting your timeline for that. Well, my last year, um, I think I only made one or two cuts. Uh, I, I know I made it at um, in, in Palm Springs, and then I don't remember if I made another one. But I actually, you know, sometimes outside circumstances make the decision for you. And my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer in June of that year. Um, and so I made the decision to stay home. And he basically only lived till September. Um, mm. He had colon cancer that had already spread. And he was a physician. My dad, you know, I'd mentioned he'd gone to medical school. Yeah. And he made the decision. He was 85 years old. He said, I'm not going to do anything. He had had surgery. And they had done what they could through that, but he elected not to do any chemo. And so he, you know, did not last very long. And I was, I was pretty close to my father. So, um, so that, that kind of was the decision that, uh, you know, was made for me. I, I, I did go out and play one event, I believe, or one or two while he was sick. And then I said, I can't do this. And I went back home. So, um, and then my mother had dementia. She died of, um, either Alzheimer's or dementia. She lived about a year and a half after my dad. And right. so I was involved with her care. Um, you know, she, both my parents died at home. Um, they did uh. not want to go into um, assisted living. So we had care come in to take care of them. And then I would, yeah. you know, stay there as much as I could. So those, those um, illnesses of my parents and death were really what um, made me uh uh, not made me, but were a big part of the reason why I retired. Um, and I, yeah. you know, I'm happy that I did it that way. I wouldn't have wanted not to. So, right. Um, anyway, well, you closed out a beautiful career, uh, and uh, as Bruce alluded to earlier, the playoff record uh, is quite unusual. Uh, you'd be surprised to hear uh, sort of what the playoff record overall is for these 71. World Golf Hall of Fame and major winning guests that we have had to date. What is? It's not a. It's not a winning record. Yeah. It's a, about forty three and a half percent. Yeah. Well, you know. So yeah, uh, I I think well I I believe my answer would be to that that the more golf you play the more the better chance that the better player is going to win, and so in a playoff when it often comes down to one hole. Anything can yeah. happen. So, yeah, and that's that's kind very of, true. That's yeah. kind of what we found. I think if we adjusted for the multi-person playoffs, right? So mm -hmm. sometimes there were three or more. So right. if you adjust right. for all that, the record is probably fifty-fifty, which says it's about a coin flip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. 
So, but eight and six, eight and six, pretty good with some with some really good wins. Uh, just ticking through the majors, you you had a wonderful record in the majors, uh, starting with the Dinah Shore, twenty one cuts made and twenty three starts, uh, uh, with uh, with the three wins and a T two to Helen Alfredson in nineteen ninety three, uh, LPGA Championship, twenty four cuts made in in uh, in twenty eight starts with four top fives and seven top tens. Of course, we've got uh, uh, the win in 1992, but also uh, you were second there to Jane Geddes in 1987. U.S. Open, 20 cuts made out of 30 starts, six top fives, a couple of wins, of course, 10 top tens. Uh, and then the British Open, which you know just came too late, obviously. Uh, uh, I think a lot of players wish that would have come along yeah. earlier to yeah. play some of those great courses right. that you said is on the yeah. open rota. Everybody would have enjoyed that. And then the De Maurier, which was a, a major from 79 to 2000, 18 cuts made uh, in 20 starts there and, uh, and 11 top tens, eight top fives, couple seconds, one at Beaconsfield in, uh, in 89 and, and one at the London hunt club in 1993. So of all of those, uh, any woulda, shoulda, couldas. Yeah. When you started, I, I know exactly it would be the DeMaurier. I lost a playoff to Brandy Burton and uh, whatever mulligan I needed to not go into the playoff would be it for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> making one more putt or whatever, um, you know, that would have done it. That would be, cause at the time the DeMaurier for part of my career was a major on the tour. Yeah. And uh, that, that, that would be the, the place where I would use the mulligan. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk Solheim Cup. Bruce, what a record. Yeah, as a player, seven, six, and two. Uh, Whitworth and Mickey Walker were your captains in uh, 1990 at Lake Nona. Mm -hmm. That had to be a thrill. It was. That was the first one. There There were eight people on the team. Um, you know, Kathy Whitworth as your captain, all-time winner. Um and Wit was fun, uh, you know. <laughs> tell this story. She, when everybody knows this, and it kind of is a bit of a joke, but she had a lot of negative self-talk. That was her way of motivating herself. <laughs> she was and, hard on herself. Yeah, and the and the famous line was when she'd miss a putt. Kathy, how'd you ever get your card? You know, she won eighty-eight times. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, at that event, when I remember sitting in the team room and she goes, now girls, it's going to come down to whoever wants it the most. And if you don't want to win this, you're not going to win. And I mean, all I could think was I'm sitting in the room here with Nancy Lopez, Pat Bradley, uh, I believe Patty Sheehan, um, Dottie, I don't know if Dottie was on that team, but it was very competitive people. And I'm thinking, these are the eight most competitive t- people I've ever met in my life. I, I think we all... <laughs> They're not going to lose. We want to win, you know. And um, But it's neat to see how the Solheim Cup has grown. I mean, that was the start. Um, it was, uh, you know, Lake Nona is a great course. It was a great venue for the event. And I, I have some of my most fondest memories there. So five times as a player in the Solheim Cup, uh, uh, I think we went win, loss, 1-1-1, one, 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 so a 4-1 record as yeah. a team. And then uh, what a privilege to be the captain of the Solheim Cup 2007 with a win at Holmstead uh, uh, Golf Club uh, in Sweden with uh, you against Helen Alfredson. And uh, quite a team you had that year. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, 
I, the, I had a great team. The weather was not the best that year. We had a delay, in fact, one of the days um, that we had to finish the matches Sunday morning before we started the singles because of delay on, on Saturday. We'd had really high winds and some rain um, to the point where it blew over some of the, the uh, tents on the property. And um, Julie was on that team, Morgan Pressel, uh, Paula Creamer, Angela Stanford, um, I'm trying to think, uh, Brittany Lincecum, that was her first Solheim Cup, Natalie Goldis. Uh, it was it was a great group of, of players, and I, I yeah. was just hoping to make it a memorable week for them, and, and they um, they played really well. Um, I think we were down a little bit going into the singles, but we, we came back and won. As usual, Americans in general have always been stronger in the single matches, and I, I do remember – Morgan drew Annika to play in the in the singles, and she was really excited about it. And she took her down. She played really sure did. well and defeated her. And she took wanted to play her. She wanted to play her. Morgan was such a great match player. You know, she had a pretty good amateur career in match play, and and she at that time was just confident in her ability to to win. Yep, took her down two and one. Must have been a heck of a match. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. So yeah. So uh, Bruce, as you look back on Betsy King's career and you look at some of the accolades uh, and awards Boy. bestowed, uh, quite, a, quite a list. Yeah, eighty-seven, eighty-nine uh, golf writers, female player of the year, ESPY uh, award for the best female golfer in nineteen ninety-four, World Golf Hall of Fame in ninety-five, LPGA William and Mousy. Powell Award in 86, uh, National Polish-American Sports Hall of Fame, uh, 2002 Silver Anniversary Awards, and one thing that I know Betsy King is so proud of is her philanthropy that she has done over the years, Habitat for Humanity, Romanian Orphans, Golf for Africa, which I believe you have. You make three trips a year for that, right? Well, I haven't. Um, I've made 25 trips to Africa since I started Golf for Africa. Um, I haven't, I'm headed there again this August. Um, I haven't gone since the pandemic and we as a group, but we went once last year, but on average, um, closer to to two um, trips a year. But um, I've done, every time I go, I'm I'm greatly inspired and want to continue the work and also would love to see it go on after me so that we can continue to, make a difference in Africa, basically by bringing clean water, improved sanitation and hygiene education to uh, villages, to health clinics and to schools in, in rural Africa. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that first trip in 2006 must have been a transformational time. In it was, life. it was very much so. I went with a group of women that um, an agency called World Vision that do, does relief and development. I invited to Africa to see the effect of poverty and the AIDS pandemic, particularly on women and children. And, um, you know, we talk about poverty here and I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but it does not exist at the level to the extent that you see it anywhere in the world and particularly um, what I saw in Africa. And, um, you know, and it, it's effect. I mean, when you see people that don't know where their next meal's coming from, that lack access to clean water, that um, live in, in entire communities that have no sanitation, have no electricity, 
are sleeping on dirt floors. Um, you know, it's, it's, you can't Tough. see that and not do anything about it. And, yeah. you know, it, I, I know I can't change the world, but I can change the world that I'm in. And that's yep. what we've set as a goal for Golf for Africa. Yeah, well, just looking at your website, uh, in in terms of access to clean water, 450 wells installed, mm-hmm. 300,000 people helped, uh, 15 million in money granted uh, over that time. And uh, that that's leaving you quite a legacy. Yeah. Sure is. Yeah, I, um, I just feel honored that we've had people come alongside us to, to make a difference. I mean, I'm personally... Um, committed financially as well, but without all the the donors that have stepped up to help us that have played in our events, the players that have lent their name, their notoriety, um, have fundraised for us, have played in our events, have gone to Africa with us. Without all of that, you know, we couldn't have done what we've been able to do. So I I just want to thank everyone for their support. Yeah. So Bruce, as we wind down here, there's a Three questions. Betsy's answered one of them, and so we got. Yes, two left she's on. already answered one. Oh, <laughs> that's fine. I'll I'll take the first question, and that's this, Betsy. Uh, we're going to put you back to twenty years old or so. You're just starting the tour, twenty two, twenty three. Two. But you know now. You know then what you know now. Mm-hmm. What would you have done differently? Well, what came immediately to mind is to be nicer to everyone. I mean, I, I did it most of the time, but, um, you know, sometimes I didn't. And sometimes you get in a bubble and you feel like I can't be nice to everyone or not. It's not in a bad way, but like, Oh, I don't have time to do all that. And if I were to have to do it over again, I would have, um, I think I would be friendlier, including while I was playing and realized that it's not going to affect my ability to to compete well. I I think uh, people get um, too too put in that bubble. When I go to tournaments now and I see players with headphones on while they're practicing and walking around, it kind of makes me mad because I really know they're doing it to shut out people as opposed to – you know, just that they need to do that to, to perform well. So um, that, that would be, for me, the, the one thing I would do differently. Okay, last one. Yep. How would you like Bessie King to be remembered? Well, hopefully that um, I did the best that I could with the God-given ability that I have to be the best player that I could be. And then secondly, that I've also done that to be the best person that I could be. Well, you've been uh, a wonderful guest for us, Betsy. And I know uh, I won't speak for Mike because I know he'd like to say it as well, but uh, you've been a fabulous guest and we appreciate your time. And uh, all I can say is what a wonderful career you had. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much. Again, I just want to congratulate you guys on what you're doing. I think it's great to, um, get these stories uh, down and, and let's per, uh, keep the history of golf alive. And, and I'm very pleased to have been a part of it. Thank you. Wonderful having you. And we're so pleased straight to be able to add your story to all the great stories we've been able to tell so far. Right. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of for the good of the game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, 
and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway. It went smack down the fairway. Then it started to slice just a smidge off line. It headed for two, but it bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. Yes, it went straight down the middle, quite a way.